Again, John chapter 11, we're going to start with verse 1. But uh, today as we gather, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And it's easy for me to get up here and, and get emotional and stuff just because it means so much to me. It means so much to me. And this was a defining moment. I want you to understand this. When Jesus gave his life on the cross and he died, he could have stopped there, but it wouldn't have been enough. What defined him as God was when he rose again on the third day. And the reason why we say that is, is there's a lot of people who are re referred to as gods and they're still on the ground. Come on, somebody. But Jesus, what defined him as God in the flesh is when he overcame death. And he's good this morning, amen. Let's pray together and we'll, we'll just crack this thing open this morning. God, right now, in the name of Jesus. Touch every heart in here. Touch every soul in here. Lord, allow this time to do what you want to do. Take your, take your word and till open the hearts and like ground God and place the seeds in there and we receive what you want for us in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. So when I think about death, and death is something that we don't like to think about as human beings, and the reason why is because it's so final. We don't like to think about it. And when I think about death... I think about one particular thing, and that's tombstones. I think about tombstones. Now, please don't giggle. This is an ugly fellow on this tombstone, right? But I think about tombstones. And I started thinking, what is a tombstone? What does it do? Why is it important? What, what's going on? And so if you ever look at a tombstone, you know that a tombstone has information on it. has the day that most of the time now it has the day that you were born a little dash, and the day that you died, and then maybe a saying that you like to say when you were alive, or maybe a scripture or something of that nature is there and, and placed on that tombstone. But something that tombstones do that I don't think we often realize is that a tombstone is something that somebody else will see that confirms your location. What do you mean by that, Pastor Joe? Well, we can walk into a graveyard, and if I don't know who you are, I can walk up and tell that your body is in the ground there because of a tombstone that's marking your spot. It tells the world that you are no longer here, but your body is. It's in the ground. It tells the world that you once had a life, but you don't any longer. It tells the world that at some point you had to yield yourself over to the hands of death. That's what a tombstone does. And, a, and the thing is, and I, I like to study weird stuff like this, and I looked into this. Originally, a tombstone was the stone or the lid of a casket. Years ago, they would put all the information on the lid of the casket instead of just on a tombstone. Or you may have been down south of Louisiana. I know it's real prevalent there. They do it there a lot where they have graves that kind of stick out of the ground with a concrete slab over the top, and that's where the information would be. It was literally a stone that was placed in front of what? A tomb. Now we call them headstones, and we sometimes have footstones, and we decorate them. Some graves in the 18th century also contained footstones, and they wanted to make them, it, it seemed to appear to have dressed up the spot a little bit better than what it currently looked like. But if you're with us this morning, let's read from John chapter 11. I love this story. 
and God showed me something the other night. I was praying. I was like, Lord, I want to preach what you want me to preach. And he said, here you go. And I was like, oh, okay, let's do it. All right, let's go. And so John chapter 11, verse 1, if you don't have a Bible with you, we're going to have it on the screen there. And, and let's just crack into this. Verse number 1, now there was a certain man was sick, his named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his, her sister Martha. It was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, him whom you lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, and I want you to hear this. When he heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Don't that kind of sound contradicting just a little bit? The Bible says that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and he loved them so much that Lazarus was sick, so he hung out two days where he was instead of leaving. Don't make a lot of sense, does it? But that's what the Scripture says he did. And how many people know when God does something, he does it with a point and on purpose? Come on, somebody. And that's what he was doing here. So then after, this is verse number 7, he saith to his disciples, let's go into Judea again. And his disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not. Because he seeth the light of the world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. Things there, uh, these things he said, and after he said them, our friend Lazarus, what did he say? Sleepeth. But I go. That's two times that he made a declaration that this wasn't a dead thing. It was a sleep thing, right? I love this. And they said unto him, oh, I'm sorry, I, I skipped. Verse 12. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he is asleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought he had spoken to them, taking rest in his sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, y'all. <laughs> That's pretty much what he said. That's Joe version right there. But he said, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for the sake that I was not there. To the intent that you may believe me, nevertheless, let's go into him. And so we, we're going to fast forward here just a couple of scriptures, but he came unto them in verse 23. It says, actually, let's go to 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of that last day. And Jesus looked and said unto her, I am the resurrection. That's worthy of repeating. He looked at her and said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he said, do you believe this? She said unto him, yeah, Lord, I believe it. That thou art the Christ and the Son of God, which should come and save the world. See, Jesus had a special relationship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He loved them so much. And his love was mentioned for them in verses 2 and 3 and 5. Yet when they sent word for Jesus that Lazarus was deathly ill, Jesus 
delays coming to Lazarus' death. And Jesus hints to his disciples what he plans to do, but they don't understand it. He's looking at them saying, oh, this ain't nothing. And they're like, he's dead. Like, and they can't understand what he's wanting to do. And when he finally arrives to their home in Bethany, the sisters are grieving, they're upset, and they know that Jesus could have healed their brother. And Jesus tells Martha, this is what we're going to do. We're going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but she thinks he means only in the last day. Come on, somebody. Come on. As believers in this church, we believe that there's going to be a day when Jesus comes back. And those who are already dead and gone are going to come, and they're going to rise. And that body is going to meet that heavenly body, and there's going to be a, a miraculous exchange, right, that's going to take place. We believe that. And I want, to, I want to make word known to you this morning that that will happen, but he still can raise people today. He can. And I, I've, I've been battling this mentality for a while now because I see people who say, you know, I believe that God can do this, but, or I believe God will do this, or. But the truth is, is he either is who he says he is, or he's the biggest liar known to man. And I'm, I'm on the side of leaning that he is who he says he is. And if he's faithful and just to do what he done in Scripture, he's faithful and just to do it for us now. Come on, somebody. And Jesus assures her that he is the resurrection and life, and whoever believes in him will live. There was a musician that died on January 10th of 2016, and his name was David Bowie. Some of y'all probably heard of David Bowie before. But seemingly, it appeared that he cheated death because he released a music video called Lazarus days before he died. And it began to circulate widely, like right after his death, and his producer... Uh, for the album, Black Star, Tony Visconti wrote on Facebook, and he said he always did what he wanted to do, and he always wanted to do it his way, and he always wanted to do it the best way. His death was no different from his life. It was a work of art. He made Black Star for us his parting gift. He was an extraordinary man full of love and life, and he will always be with us. But for now, it is appropriate to cry, this had a powerful effect on his fans who seemed to feel almost as if Bowie was reaching back through the grave through a song. Wild, ain't it? As if he was reaching back through the grave through a song which had themes that were relevant to graves and resurrections. And yet the truth of the matter was that Bowie, a, a brilliant musician, though he was, but he was in fact dead. Only God knows the state of his faith, but regardless of whether Bowie will be raised again with the believers, he cannot make the claim that Jesus makes here. And Jesus made the claim that I am the resurrection and the life. Not even I can raise people again, but I am the resurrection and the life. Bowie didn't claim to raise people from the dead, let alone the resurrection of life himself. But like Lazarus, Bowie can only be alive again through an act of God. Just as God once breathed his life into Adam and Eve, so God will do with the ashes and the remains of the dead bodies of this world. Come on, somebody. And he can animate dead matter into life because he is the resurrection and the life. I want to make this statement clear and, and very, very plain this morning that that eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts in the moment that we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. 
and that Jesus is the only Son of God, and we believe what He accomplished through the, through the death and the resurrection. We become born again. We instantly, whether we see it or not with our physical eyes, we have to know that we spiritually become transformed, and our inward person changes, and that it becomes reflected in our outward person. Come on, somebody. But life for you, I want you to hear this, life for you, eternal life for you, does not start when you die. It starts right now. Right now, right now, I was reading this passage of scripture, and, and again, my mind just popped right out, my, my head popped off my shoulders because God revealed to me what he wanted to preach this morning. But John eleven thirty three, 33, this is what it says. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews were weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And I said, Lord, come and see Verse 35, Jesus wept. This moment told us the humanity of Jesus. This moment revealed to us that he was just as much man as he was God. And it broke his heart that his loved one had passed away. That a friend that he cared so much about had died. But I also believe that it broke his heart so much that he was going to bring him back from a place of rest in the Lord. Think about it. What, what are we gaining for? What are we gunning for whenever we leave this world? We want to be at peace with the Lord. We want to be in the presence of God. And I believe that's where Lazarus was, was in the presence of God. And it broke, Lord, it broke Jesus' heart. It broke his heart to bring him back to this sinful, broken world. Come on, somebody. But he wept. And it said, then the Jews said, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which have opened the eyes of the blind have caused even this man that should not have died? I love it when haters come in and they try to pinpoint where we mess up, right? They even done it to Jesus. So if you've got haters, you're in good company. He, Jesus had, had haters, right? But they looked at him and they were like, you're supposed to be able to, to heal all disease and, 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 and cure blind eyes. How could you not have healed his sickness? And I love this because Jesus is pretty much saying, I wanted to do more. Have y'all ever thought for a second when you're struggling and you've been begging the Lord to fix something in your life, God, will you fix this in my life? God, will you change this in my life? And he's sitting there thinking, oh, but I want to do more. We'll beg the Lord. I know there's been plenty of times that I've cried out to God, God, I need you to do this specific thing in my life. And I want this specific thing to change. And I want this specific thing to happen. And he's over here saying, but I want to do more. You don't see it now, but I want to do more. What you're asking me for is easy. He said, stretch your faith and let's see if we can't do just a little bit more. I love this. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, coming to the grave. And it was a cave that had a stone laid upon it. And Jesus made this statement. Take ye away the stone. Let that sink into your heart today. Take ye away the stone. Take ye away the stone. Martha and the sister of him was, that was dead said unto him, But Lord, by this time he stinketh. He's been dead for four days. I do pest control, and sometimes we come along some mice and stuff that's been dead. Anything dead just stinks. I don't know if you've ever been around anything dead before, but it just stinks. It has a foul odor to it. It has a foul odor to it. Verse 40, Then Jesus said unto her, 
said I not unto thee, that if thou would believe, thou should see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone. Again, they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank that thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I want you to hear this this morning. Jesus didn't have to have the stone removed to do a miracle. He didn't have to have the stone removed to do a miracle. He could have done the miracle and removed the stone himself. But he was making a declarative statement. He had the stone moved so they could see what he was fixing to do. And they could see what he was going to do. And he was doing a symbolic thing and making a declarative statement with that stone. And this is what he said. You won't need this anymore. Some of y'all didn't hear me. They said move the stone back. Because you ain't going to need it anymore. What did we say a stone was? What did we say a tombstone was? The place that marked where the dead laid. The place that, that solidified that, yeah, that person's dead. They're there. Right? And Jesus said, move it back. He ain't going to need it anymore. And what did they do? They moved it back. And he called. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Think about this. This would be the equivalency of me walking up to your loved one's grave with a shovel and just digging dirt right out of your loved one's grave. How would that make you feel? Some of y'all look at me either A, like I'm crazy, or you would be really mad. Because our faith doesn't match our desires sometimes. And that's what happened here. He had to build their faith. And he said, you won't need this anymore. I remember being young when my Uncle Johnny passed away. That was my dad's uncle. And my dad's here this morning. Hey, Dad, so glad you're here. Uh, so it's, it's good to see him when he comes. This is his first time here, and it means a lot to me that he's here. But um, I want to give him some honor. But uh, my, when my Uncle Johnny passed away, I will never forget this, because I was so young that I didn't remember death. I didn't understand it. didn't make a lot of sense to me. And, uh, and so... When we finished the service, everybody, you know, went through the march, and they, they saw the body, and as everybody was leaving, I kind of hung back in the room, and I watched them begin to close the casket. And as they begin to close the casket, they took, if, if you've never seen it before, but they'll take the, the padding and, and the drapery, and they'll put it into the casket, and they'll take this little key, and they'll spin it around, which lowers the body into the casket so you can close the lid. And I watched this whole thing. And I watched as the body lowered into the casket. And I watched as they closed that casket. And I will never forget the image that I saw. It was the last time that I got to see my Uncle Johnny's body on this earth. And it was a little traumatic to me. Why? Because death at this point seems so final. That there's no hope. It's the end. It's over. And, and we, we get to that point. Most funeral homes won't let you witness that because of the, the intensity that comes along with that. Because it's hard. It, it, it's, it's traumatic to people. And they won't let you do it. They won't let you witness the grave being filled in. Because it's hard and it's traumatic. Because death is final. 
But in that moment, Jesus removed the mark of finality. Come on, somebody. The one thing that was final with Lazarus' death. Think about it. There was a point where Mary and Martha rolled the stone in front of the door, and they said, this is the last time. And Jesus came, and he removed the mark of finality, the indicator that this was Lazarus's tomb, and it belonged to him. Or here lies Lazarus. Or he was such a good man. You know what I'm getting, you getting what I'm saying? Is that there is something that indicated that there was nothing left of Lazarus. But when he removed the stone, there was nothing else left to label Lazarus as dead. There was not a single thing left to label Lazarus as dead. Other than his body just laying there. The stone that covered the door of Lazarus was removed. And when it was removed, guess what it allowed inside? Light. And not only did it allow light in, it allowed hope to come in. And not only did it allow hope to come in, it allowed peace to come in. And not only did it allow peace to come in, it allowed Jesus to come in. And when Jesus came in, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. I have a video this morning I want you to see. And we'll share this moment together and, and then we'll proceed forward. Lord, by this time he's thinking, for he had been dead four days. Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, I should see the glory of God. hearest me always but because of the people which stand by I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me Lazarus Come forth. him and let him go. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Because of Jesus, hear me, because of Jesus, we too can be loosed of our grave clothes.
What do you mean by that, Pastor Joe? In this passage, Jesus confronts the stark reality of death, right? And like he did a few moments before, Jesus again weeps, and then he calls for Lazarus to come forth, and he looks at them, and he says, take off the grave clothes. And here's the thing. He was speaking to the witnesses, and he was speaking to the sisters and the family and the friends. And this event is a precursor to the Easter story. I know some of you all would say, you know, Pastor Joe, why are we talking about Lazarus' resurrection? We should be talking about Jesus's. Well, Jesus is the resurrection. And because of Jesus being the resurrection, he, just, he can raise Lazarus. And just like he raised Lazarus, he can raise us. Come on, somebody. Well, yeah, Pastor Joe, I understand that there's a physical raising going to happen. Here's what I want you to understand. The Bible says that when we are in sin, we are dead in our trespasses. And what, what happens when we give our lives to Jesus? Just like with Lazarus, he says, and I can only talk for Joe, but he said, Joe, come forth. Come out of your sin. And do you know what he done? He looked and he said, you won't need this anymore. You're no longer dead. The thing that labeled you dead is gone. Nothing's going to label you dead anymore to the point that he said, come out. And when I came out, he had to put some people around me to take off my grave clothes. Come on, somebody. What is grave clothes, Pastor Joe? Well, grave clothes could be just about anything that we're struggling with, that we're fighting with. How many people, would it be foolish, let me ask you this, if, if your loved one raised from the grave, wouldn't it be foolish to make them wear the same clothes we buried them in? Wouldn't it be foolish for them to walk around in the same clothes that they were buried in? Spiritually, we do the same thing sometimes. We're raised to life. Jesus Christ came and He died and He raised us back to life. But some of us are still walking around in the grave clothes that we used to wear. And that could look a little bit like this. It could look like depression. It could look like anxiety. It could look like adultery. It could look like fornicality, it could look like all sorts of different things that you're walking around carrying on you. You're alive in Christ, but you're still bound in your dead clothes. Hatred, anger, malice, greed, depression. The things that we used to be bound to because we were dead in our sins, some of us still walk around carrying it, and we don't have to. Why? Because he removed the thing that told us we were dead. And when we were once dead but we're now alive, we don't have to subject ourselves any further, any more to the things of the, of the past, anything that is dead. Just like Lazarus, that tombstone is no longer there for you. You no longer need something labeling you as dead because you're not dead. But if you're new in life, you no longer need the bindings of dead things. I don't know about you this morning, but with, with, with the, the symbolism of Jesus being alive and being on the throne, I have no reason to be bound in dead things. There's not a single thing that has got me bound except what I choose to put on myself. I know, that went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? I remember growing up, and, and I, I, I used to say this sometimes and more than once, but I'd get in trouble, and they why'd you do that? Well, the devil made me do it. Y'all ever heard that before? Am I the only one that's ever said that? Yeah. What about this? Have y'all ever heard anybody say, well, the devil's really been riding me this week. My tire's messed up. My air condition's broken. You know, this has happened. That's happened. 
You know, and, and we want to give credit to the devil over things, don't we? What's funny is, is had you bought new tires, your tires were bald. You probably needed new tires, so you can't blame the devil for that. When's the last time you done a check on your air conditioning unit? You know, maybe it was time to get something worked on. You can't blame the devil for that. What am I trying to get at? What I'm trying to get at is, is that a lot of us are still bound in things that we are personally attaching to ourselves. And we're trying to blame the devil. Man, it was the devil that... I flipped that person off because I was... Is the devil made me do it. No, you just have a problem. You're angry. You just got an anger problem that the Lord wants to fix, you know, but... Something I've learned, too, as a, as a, a man of God, as a pastor, and, and just as just someone who's trying to do this life thing right, is I've learned that any time I ask God to fix something in my life, like anger, doubt, worry, fear, something like that, anytime I ask him to fix it, he doesn't just wipe it away. He gives me times and opportunities to not be angry, to not be worrisome, to not be afraid, to be... And what do you mean by that, Pastor Joe? I mean that if, you're, if you have an anger problem, God's not going to wipe away your anger. He's going to give you opportunities to respond the correct way. I know, I know. I was preaching real good until I started putting some of this back on us. Like, woo, Jesus is awesome. Yeah, he saved my soul. Yes, he did. He gave me a new life. Yes, he did. Now take your filthy clothes off. Wait, I gotta do something. Yeah, you do. You do. Pastor Joe, I'm not bound by this anymore. And everything that that was in my life before I gave my life to Jesus should be gone. Everything. There's no more marker labeling me dead. There's no birth date, there's no dash, there's no death date. Why? Because I'm alive. I don't have something labeling me as dead. I do have remnant in my life that I need to get rid of. But, check this out. How do we do that? The Bible says that the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives where? In you and in me. Pastor Joe, I don't have the power to overcome this. Yeah, you do. If you have the same power that Jesus defeated death with, then you have the same power to quit lying. If you have the same power that Jesus conquered the grave with, then you have the same power to quit cussing people out. I love when I say stuff like that, people laugh because they think it's funny. And the truth is, it is. It is funny, but it's sad. It is. It, I've, nothing, nothing cracks me up more than see somebody with a honk if you love Jesus sticker or a Jesus fish on their car and they're flipping you the bird while they're going down the road. I have to constantly tell myself, man, those people are just working on their testimony, right? They're just trying to get it, they're just trying to get it right. They're just trying to do the right thing. Here's, here's the truth. And I want to, let's, let's back up here and then we're going to close. God didn't send Jesus to make bad people good. I'm going to say it again. God did not send his son to die a gruesome death on the cross so we would go from being bad people to good people. He gave his son so we could go from death 
to life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life. Hear me this morning. You will never do it on your own. You'll have to do it through Jesus. But you don't have anything binding you anymore. There was a time in your life when Jesus came. If you, if you believe in the Lord and you gave your life to him, there was a time when he came and he said, roll back the stone. They're not going to need it anymore. They're not going to need it anymore. And then he called you out. He said, you're no longer dead. He said, come forth. Come forth. And it's my responsibility to quit living like a dead man. I want to challenge you this morning. Are you living like a dead man? Or are you living like someone who's alive in Jesus Christ? Come on. He's good, amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. God, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to just come and share your gospel. We ask, Lord, that you do what only you can do. If you're in the room this morning, you would say, Pastor Joe, I, I was, I've been saved, I've been born again, and, but I'm, I'm not living like someone who's alive. I'm living like a dead man. Would you raise your hand? If you're honest, all over the room, all over the room. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you say, Pastor Joe, I've never surrendered my life to the Lord, but I think I want to. If that's you, would you raise your hand in the room this morning? Ain't nobody looking around. At this time, we're just going to ask, if you want to come to the altar, come. Now's your time. Now's your time. There's already one up here, and we're not going to tarry here long. I don't, I don't believe in begging and pleading people to come. But I believe that God wants to move. Yes, Lord. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for his blood. Thank you for what he done for me. That way I don't need my tombstone anymore. And you called me out and you gave me life. Lord, give me your power to get rid of my grave clothes. Get rid of the things in my life, Lord. Give me the strength and the courage to stand whenever I struggle against things, Lord. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you do the work. You do the work, and we'll, we'll do our part, and you do your part, God. Right now, we just ask in the mighty name of Jesus, you set people free, you heal people, you restore people in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. How many people are thankful you came to